0: Welcome to the Nation's Blind podcast presented by the National Federation of the Blind, the transformative membership and advocacy organization of blind Americans. Live the life you want.
1: Hi listeners, welcome to the Nation's Blind podcast. This is not Melissa Cabona, but it is Anil Lewis, and although Melissa's not with us today, I am joined by my wonderful colleague, Mr. Chris Dance. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great, Anil. How are you, man? i'm doing great man you ready to talk to our nation's blind podcast viewers about this wonderfully exciting topic yes yeah
0: this is a topic everybody loves because we're going to talk about money 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 yeah exactly exactly that'll be how we get some we're going to be talking about how we get money yeah we'll talk a little bit about that maybe toward the end but um <laughs> Well, we do have some news to share about money, but before we do that, I I guess we're going to do some more myth-busting about the National Federation of the Blind. That's good. Of course, it won't be myth-busting for some of our listeners, but it will be for others. So we're going to talk about specifically paper money.
1: Oh, so I know that myth. The National Federation of the Blind is against accessible currency. Yeah, so that has been the myth. And
0: it is not the case. And we'll talk about that. Now, it is true that back when the Federal Court of Appeals ruled in a lawsuit that the Department of the Treasury and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing needed to make the money accessible, we had some concerns about that
1: court decision. Mm -hmm. That's important to let people know that there were concerns because I think that that's where the myth kind of starts. And it's true for many of the instances where we really recognize a nuance in the way that things are going. And we want to try to make sure that we, as blind people, don't become the quote unquote victims for someone else to move an agenda forward. So in those decisions, a lot of language around blind people are victims and blind people are incapable of doing. I mean, we have blind merchants that handle money all day. And there are other individuals, entrepreneurs, et cetera, different places that handle money. all day. So it's not like it's, inaccessible. So we weren't against accessible currency, but we were definitely against the language that was being used, uh, using us as pawns toward progressing. But I do think that it is important for people to understand that we did not, if you reference our resolution at that time, it really does highlight that we had concerns about the process and the statements that were being made through the findings, through that legal process. But even in that resolution, you'll see that the resolves are calling on the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to create currency that's better distinguishable by blind people for the convenience of it, not because we otherwise are incapable of accessing currency. So our
0: crack Research Department, Nations Blind Podcast Research Department, found resolution 2008 and it references the concerns, but it also references a, a 1994 resolution where we said that we supported the idea of accessible currency and the resolves, as you said, Anil, say that we urge the United States Department of the Treasury to consider means to make the currency more accessible and therefore more convenient for a greater proportion of the population. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically what it says. And then it says the really important thing in the further resolved, which is that we need to be involved as blind people in that process.
1: Absolutely. And that's key to a lot of the things that we do. We we don't want people going out and doing what they think is good for blind people without talking to blind people. Well, exactly. There are other nuances around this too, that I think that a lot of people didn't take into consideration. So it's not as easy as, okay, now we're going to make the bills a different size and all that kind of stuff. because it would then impact every vending machine in the country, mm-hmm. every every cash change machine in the country, all kinds of other technologies. So it's not a, a, as simple as it's only going to be uh, the cost involved in, in creating the currency. We have to be responsible about the impact that it's going to have in a broader level. And a lot of people,
0: too, Anil, think, well, just putting Braille dots on the currency would be acceptable and should be easy to do but that's that's not in fact the case because as we know unfortunately not everybody reads braille but even if you used you know some kind of tactile thing that's like braille you know when you use money it's in your wallet and it's in your pocket and it changes hands and it's always rubbing against other money and other things and actually the Countries that have put braille dots
1: on currency have found that they wear down after a while. And you're, you're a world traveler, so you're probably familiar with this more so than I. But I took a trip to Spain and, um, no, I think it was my trip to Italy when they were using the euro. And it, 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 there, there are different size bills and, and all that. And, and I respect and appreciate that other countries have been able to do that. So I don't think that, you know, not doing it is the answer. But we should definitely build on best practice, learn from others and make our own decisions as to what that more accessible currency would, would look and feel like.
0: Well, I think that's right. And my experience, because I've traveled to um, to Italy and to Spain and to Ireland a few times and, yeah. and the UK, and it's not about me, I'm not trying to brag about how much I've traveled, but the point is... <laughs> but it does feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> And we encourage everyone to try it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, you, you should try it, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe at some point we'll do an episode about travel, travel experiences. I sure hope so. Yeah. But anyway, the thing about different size bills is that works really well if you have a good sampling of bills in your wallet. Yeah, uh, that's the reference. Yeah, but even then, you're like, you know, you're like standing there comparing them and you know, that slows you down a little bit. So it's a little bit like, okay, I, I now have to figure out is this bill longer than this bill or wider than mm-hmm. this other bill? And is it as wide as this other one? Because that you know, that's how they do it. The denominations are different lengths, but you have to have all the denominations to really compare. At least that's my experience. I mean, other people may feel like it's easier than that, but that wasn't my experience.
1: If if you did it more, I, I guess it it would become more second nature. But I mean, it's not as distinguishable as like, you can tell the difference between a quarter and a nickel because a quarter has the ribbed edges. You know, you can tell the difference between a penny and a dime Mm -hmm. because the dime has those ribbed edges, you know, but without that particular distinguishing characteristic, it would be difficult to tell the difference between a penny and a dime. So I don't know, I didn't evaluate it as much to see whether the currency, the Euro, you know, also had other distinguishing factors outside of just the size of the bill. But again, that, that's part of the deliberation that we need to take place in determining what would be done to make it more accessible. Right. Chris, I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least talk about how blind people access currency now in the United States. What tools do you use, Chris? First of all, I should say that the Bureau of Engraving
0: and Printing Department of the Treasury didn't do nothing after the court they did not fail to do something, it's what I'm <laughs> to say. negative.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the lawyer in you kicked in, like, oops.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. They did not fail to act after the um, after the court decision. So they developed their own apps for the iPhone and for Android to identify currency. And they also have a program where you can get a free iBill bill identifier if um, yeah. you are eligible for uh, services from the Library of Congress, you can get this this iBill and it's free. And this is a little device that you can put on a keychain and put in your pocket, and it will identify currency. You just slide the currency in a little in a little slot. You don't have to slide it all the way in. It's not like it you know it's not like loading it into a into a machine uh, like mm-hmm. you would with a change machine. You just have to touch it to this slot. Basically, and it, it will identify the currency. So, I, I need to give that credit to the uh, Bureau of Engraving and Printing. But actually, I prefer an app that was developed actually in the Czech Republic, but it's called Cash Reader. Mm. And the really cool thing about Cash Reader is it can read all kinds of currency, it can read US, but it can also read currencies from all over the world. Nice. So, that's one solution
1: that I use. So I move. I move to a place where I know technology allows everything and I'm I'm really falling in love with the CAI app because it's free on the iPhone and look out, you know, for the Android platforms because it does the OCR and also does cash and some other things. So I love that. But even more so, I'm more dependent on the old traditional non-technical ways of identifying currency. When I get my currency, I get it out of the ATM, which is accessible. It's usually in 20s. So I have a specific way that I fold my $20 Mm -hmm. nickels and as I spend it down, I I ask for the, the, you know, the denomination when I get my change. Okay. Here's your change, $7. Okay. Is this the five at the, at the point of sale? And they say, yes. So I'll fold that in a particular way and I'll fold my singles in a particular way. So that it's always, I'm able to identify the money that's in my wallet. A lot of people say, well, how do you trust the, um, the guy to make sure he's not just giving you three ones okay that's a degree of paranoia that's going to keep you up all night if i was that suspect about it i would turn to the person next to me who has no skin in this game and ask to verify is this a fine <laughs> you know there are ways to do it
0: well the other thing about that is you know you can look at this in a couple of ways because obviously you know one of the concerns we had with the original court ruling was that we're perceived as vulnerable But I mean, if you're standing in line at a store, just imagine what would happen if somebody behind you or next to you saw a cashier do that. Yeah. You know, I I really think that somebody would say something. But the other thing is, I can remember once in my life, and I am seven years old. um, (laughs) But uh, you look good, Chris. You look good. (laughs) Thank you. So do you. Um, Thank you. But I can remember once in my life, maybe, that I thought maybe somebody shortchanged me. And I wasn't even sure then because I thought, well, maybe I just lost track because that happens. It happens to sighted people too. But I do the same thing. I fold my money different ways. I have it identified because it's really not practical to take out your phone. And every instance, that's correct. Or your device and do it, even though like the phone apps, you can set it so that it vibrates instead of announcing what the bills are. But, you know, you have to learn those vibration patterns. And the other thing is you don't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. So what I tend to do is it, you know, uh, I use those apps to sort money because sometimes you're, you know, when you're in those cashier lines and if they don't, identify the bills for you and and everybody's in a hurry or whatever and you don't have time to identify them at the time you'll just stuff them in your wallet and then you know when you get home figure it out later i'll use cash reader or you'll use seeing ai and figure out what you have and then sort it or you can do it with the assistance of a sighted person later so the point is yeah we use currency all the time and have been doing so for years and if your eyesight is changing or you haven't um you know learned this or you know if you've been doing it for years you know this but there are these techniques for handling your money so that you don't have this problem all that said here's the good news it has taken the bureau of engraving and printing a very long time to figure this out and by the way the national federation of the blind has helped The Bureau of Engraving and Printing was at several of our conventions Oh yes, when we were in person before. We've started to be in person again, but they were at several of our conventions and visited the National Federation of the Blind Journey and Institute several times to show us different tactile features that they were trying and say, how do you feel about this? Can you feel this well? What do you think of it? What are the problems with it? So we've been involved in that process for years, but now- It has officially been announced that the first bill, the first U.S. note, as they actually call them, with a tactile feature will come out in 2026. It will be a $10 bill. Wow. Because what they're doing is they're incorporating new tactile features as they make other changes to the bills which which makes sense right and and bills are periodically updated to prevent counterfeiting and to add security features and right. to do all of those things so they're they're gonna roll these out and i think don't quote me on this but i think the 50 bill will come out with a tactile feature in 2028 and the $20 bill will have a tactile feature in 2030. Okay. And I think they've determined that they'll just leave the $1 bill without a tactile feature <laughs> because if there's
1: no tactile feature, then it's a single. Right, right. So you don't have an old $100 bill though with no tactile features. Yeah, exactly. The thing that's interesting about all of this though, and I guess there's no right or wrong about it, but as you talked about these dates in the future, I mean, more and more progressively, we're moving to to using more digital currency anyway. So mm. balancing our work to make sure that currency is accessible. We also have to continue in a real way to make sure that the points of sale that people are using, you know, I, I love the fact that I can walk up to a place and tap my card against something to make a purchase that mm-hmm. more and more places I don't necessarily need to have. Cash, because I love just the automatic processing of it. It gets a record of it. It makes it easier for me to reconcile my finances, the whole deal. So I want to make sure that we stay contemporary with the use of whatever resources are being used for cash or monetary transactions. I know that we have to continue this good work of, of supporting the development of accessible currency, but I also know that it's equally important for us to continue our work in making sure that digital currency and digital transactions are also accessible. You know,
0: another thing that's important about that is so that, you know, the contactless that you can do with your credit or debit card is great, but, you know, not every place has it yet. And I don't have a way of knowing. There's no non-visual way of knowing necessarily whether a given point of sale has it or where, you know, where you're supposed to tap your card. Mm -hmm. So that may be an advocacy piece that we have to, uh, you know, work on as well. And we have worked on accessible point of sale and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's why points of sales, you know, a lot of them still have tactile keypads because <laughs> it's still necessary to, to enter your pen in some cases. So we've got to continue that work. We've also got to make sure that blind people can get some money to spend. Hey, Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, and and that's why we do all the advocacy around employment and around equal wages and around all the things that we do because we need to have the money in our pockets in order to really worry about whether
1: it's accessible or not. Accessible, yeah. yeah. The true accessibility is making sure money is accessible to blind people's bank accounts. So I agree with you and that that it's, it's a holistic, just like I was saying earlier, I think that sometimes people miss the nuance, you know, that we as an organization capture, because it's not just what Chris Danielson wants. It's not just what Anil Lewis wants. It's what the blind of the nation want. And we come together through the resolution process and throughout everyday interaction. And we have our shared lived experiences that talk about one, how do we deal with the problem that we're facing with the tools that we have? And then two, what can we do to change what exists to make it better for blind people? And we have to do that in a way that's responsible and does not portray us as victims and does not portray us as lesser or having less capacity. So those things all have to be taken into consideration if we want to make sure we maintain the respect and dignity that we demand, you know, as fully participating members of society. I could not have said that any better,
0: Anil, and I thank you for that. And we're going to take a real quick break here for a little message, and then we're going to come back and tell you how you can tell us more about how you use money and what you think about accessible currency and other things. Do you know that the National Federation of the Blind accepts vehicles? You and your friends and family can simply call 855-659-9314 or visit nfb.org slash give. Well, that's another one in the uh, in the books, Anil, or on the podcast thing, whatever <laughs> whatever we're <coming. laughs>
1: right. and the bookkeeping. Yeah, uh, in the bookkeeping. That's, exactly. that's the best I could do with the money analogy to yeah. That's it. That's all I got, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you did better than I did. (laughs) But anyway, what do you think
0: about this issue, uh, everybody? Are you surprised by what we told you today? Do you still think we need to do more in this area or less in this area? How do you identify your money? Uh, maybe, Maybe you've thought of a way that nobody else has thought of. And what else do you think we should be addressing on the Nation's Blind podcast?
1: Why don't you tell us about it? And it's truly important that you lend your voice to what we're talking about. So if you have an opinion, we want you to share it. Uh, A lot of people think that there is some secret place that the NFP goes to get information and come up with opinions. And there is, but it's not a secret place. We go to our members and uh, we go to blind people. So with your feedback, you know, maybe you have a different perspective that may change the trajectory of the advocacy work that we do in this space, but we don't know what we don't know. And we look forward to hearing your opinion and again as chris said if you have some new dynamic ways of of accessing currents here or getting access to any information in your life we love getting that information and being able to amplify it not only on the podcast but in the other areas that we communicate to blind people so your voice is important to us and we would really love to hear from you that's right
0: so we're on social media we uh, are on twitter at nfb underscore voice we are on facebook you can just search for national federation of the blind mm-hmm. and uh, we have a youtube channel although you can't give us feedback but well you can i guess you can leave comments on our youtube videos so i think some of them we have but yeah yeah so um so we have all those ways but there
1: are some more old school ways of reaching us as well yeah you can use a device called a telephone and it's not just for texting or looking up apps. You can actually dial a phone number, which would be 410-659-9314, extension 2444. You could also email us. That email address is podcast at nfb.org
0: That's right. So we really want to hear from you. Um, we particularly, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but it would be great if you would leave us a voicemail and let us know if you're okay with this. But if you leave us a voicemail, then we can actually put your voice on the Nation's Blind Podcast. Wouldn't that be cool? That
1: would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, for your for, for you know our listeners' voices to be on the Nation's Blind Podcast. But until our next episode, when maybe we'll have some of that to share, or maybe not, it all depends on you. But anyway, this is... The nation's blind podcast and remember you can live the life you want blindness is not what holds you back we'd love your feedback email podcast at nfb.org or call 410-659-9314 extension 2444